Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Do we see life through the lens of our experiences interpreted by maybe our own interpretations, or do we look at life through our experiences seen through the lens of God's Word? God wants us to be a people who have His outlook. And so in repentance, one of the things is we begin to see things the way He sees it. We recognize that in the depth of our heart, we are sinners. We know the message of salvation. We're all sinners and deserve death, but have been redeemed by accepting Jesus' death on the cross. But do we truly grasp how absolutely incredible grace is? How can we experience its meaning deep within our souls? In today's message, Pastor Ed proposes that repentance is the key. By confessing our sins on a regular basis, we will see the depth of our need for a Savior and then begin to see ourselves and the world around us through His eyes. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, with his continuing study entitled, Repentance is the Upward Call. That's a part of repentance. A part of repentance is conviction that leads you to the place of repentance. But that conviction leads you to a place, as you repent, you confess your sins. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, the text tells us that people went out from Jerusalem and Judah and all the region of Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized in the Jordan River. Notice, confessing their sins. I was talking to a friend of mine. We both grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Jim happened to go to a a parish, a Catholic church, where the priests were more strict. I don't know. The parish I went to, they were a little more lenient, I guess. But we were talking about when we went to confession. When I went to confession, I would not want to make a mistake. So I I wanted to be forgiven so I could take communion the next day. That was our, our upbringing, our background. So I would try and think, well, I don't know how many times I lied this week or how many times I disobeyed my parents. So I'd always estimate a little bit more because I just wanted to make sure I was covered, you know. Now, my friend Jim said, I couldn't do that at my parish because when I went and I confessed my sins... The priest would always say, "Mm mm-hmm, you've said that to me before, you know. Uh, Tell me about that disobedience. Uh, Tell me about that lie. And he said, I felt like I was being interrogated. I felt like I was a detective interrogating me. Well, what if you were to go before God and God in his righteousness and holiness simply said, "Mm mm-hmm, tell me about those lies that you've been talking about. Why are you saying that? I think God is more like at Jim's church. (laughs) He would ask us, be specific. See, it's easy for all of us to say here, oh, we're all sinners, we sin all the time. We we know that. But get specific. Hmm, your attitude towards your wife this week wasn't the best. The things that you said, hmm, not too happy with that. Uh, You've had a long-standing problem with that lust. Have you dealt with it? God would speak to us in ways that would make us very uncomfortable because he wants to heal us. 
He wants us to move on and move forward. He just doesn't wink over at sin and brush it aside. No, confession ought to be specific. Well, Pastor, I don't feel so bad. This week I've not murdered anybody, not committed adultery, I've not had any real embezzlement problem. And, and no, no, no. When God thinks about sin, He thinks about what's going on in your heart, He thinks about attitudes. And we tend to make our sins little. Other sins are bigger. Oh, your sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about your sins. I could talk to you about your, our own sins. Oh, we don't want to go there. But God wants to go there. And so confession involves God speaking to us very specifically about our sins. And being specific with him. Telling him. And letting him tell you. In Psalm 32, 5, it says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up mine iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. He who conceals the sin, sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confession is a part of repentance. When we turn from sin and we turn towards God, when we leave off doing the wrong thing and we embrace doing the right thing, it involves being able to go to God and be under conviction and then truly confessing and seeing those sins for what they are. Confession, conviction are a part of that turning to God and turning away from sin. That's embracing the lifestyle of repentance. But John the Baptist doesn't stop there. He goes on because he wants you to experience the full results, the full impact. He wants you to take repentance and experience that upward call to a holy life. And so he says, bring forth the fruits of repentance. So it's also producing the fruits of repentance. There are results. There are fruits when we repent in verses 7 to 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance changes us. It doesn't leave us in the rut. It doesn't leave us walking in the circle in the wilderness. It doesn't leave us unchanged. It changes us. William Nevin said, Real repentance consists in the heart being broken for sin and from sin. So now sin grieves you and hurts you. The sin that once you embraced, now you abhor. It not only hurts you and grieves you, you want to break from it. And so those two things happen. He is broken for sin and from sin. How does it look in our lives? Well, here's just a couple of pictures. The first one is it changes our outlook. 
It changes us in the inside. That's the fruits of repentance. We begin to think literally different. Before we come to Christ or when we're so influenced by the world, we think the world's ways. We think about life from the world's perspective. We think about people from the world's perspective. We think about ourselves from the world's perspective. But when we are changed by the power of God, suddenly we see life from God's perspective. We see it from a heavenly viewpoint. And that's what's happening in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. He speaks to the religious leaders. He says, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. What happened is he saw these religious leaders who knew the theological definitions and knew the scriptures, but it didn't change them. What they did was they took refuge in their religiosity. But John reaches out and rips the mask off them takes away their guard because they hid behind the fact that they were Abraham's descendants. They were Abraham's children. Well, I've been a member of Faith Assembly for many Or I've been a Christian for many years. Or I've read the Bible. Or whatever we begin to use, we begin to sort of try to shield ourselves by simply taking refuge in religion. And God is so concerned that we keep an up-to-date relationship with him. And so John the Baptist said, no, don't take refuge in the fact that you're Abraham's descendants. That's not enough. Are you doing the works of Abraham? Are you living in faith? Are you walking in godliness? They weren't. They were caught up in religion. There are many good people that live better lives than you and me and they're not going to heaven because their better lives will never be good enough to get them into heaven the reason we're going to heaven is because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ but that faith and trust in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we don't change we are being changed from one glory, the Bible says, to another. There's this inner transformation that happens, and it happens in the way we look at life, the way we look at ourselves. Paul wrote it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do we think the way the media wants to shape our thinking or do we think the way God wants us to think? Do we see life through the lens of our experiences interpreted by maybe our own interpretations or do we look at life through our experiences seen through the lens of God's word? God wants us to be a people who have his outlook. And so in repentance, one of the things is we begin to see things the way he sees it. We recognize that in the depth of our heart, we are sinners. One of the most consecrated men, one of the most eloquent preachers, one of the most prophetic voices in all of scripture is Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah as a prophet as a godly man, has a glimpse of God 
in the Holy of Holies. And in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, I'm undone. I'm a sinful man. And I live among a sinful people. And he asks for his lips to be purged, the most consecrated part of him, that which proclaims the word. He recognized his sinfulness. See, there are times that we fail to see how sinful we are. That's why we don't change. I'm okay. Everybody else needs to change. But no, no. When you get in God's presence and when you get God's outlook, you realize, oh, Lord, work on me. Change me. So our outlook, that which goes on on the inside, but then our actions. Now here's a parallel passage in the Gospel of St. Luke where the people say, what shall we do to John? They've repented, they want to be baptized, they want to turn around. And here's what John says in Luke chapter 3. The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. You know, I keep in my office some pottery that I received when I went to Zambia the very first time when we built churches there and then later on built orphanages there. It was a treasured possession that this very poor pastor gave me. It was something that meant a lot to him and I keep it right in my office to remember the poverty I saw there. And here Jesus is saying, share what you have with others. He's being real practical. Here's the fruits of repentance. Stop being so greedy. Don't be caught up in materialism. Don't be caught up in that terrible cycle of wanting more and, and trying to get more and never being satisfied with what you have. And then he talks to the tax collectors because they come to him. They're the outcast. And they said, teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect more than any more than you are required to, he told them. So be honest with people. You know, don't be dishonest with them. Don't take advantage of people when you have the opportunity to take advantage or you say, oh, here's an opportunity, I'll get a little bit more if you own your own business or you work or even if you have someone who owns a business and they're working for you and maybe they're a Christian. Don't take advantage of that businessman. Help them to get a decent profit. I mean, be fair in all of our dealings with one another. And then it says to the soldiers, what should we do? Don't exhort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Notice, they're all very practical things, everyday things, and they're all relationship things. Our relationship to people is always, always, always changed when our relationship to God changes. And so he's demonstrating to them, okay, your actions, your attitude. Richard Owen Roberts is one of the great historians on revivals. He's home with the Lord. I remember hearing him and deeply touched by his reflections on the Welsh revival. He said, repentance is an ongoing process. True repentance affects the whole man and alters the entire life. Everything about your lifestyle changed. That's what happens. How you relate to your parents, how you relate to your children, how you relate to your neighbor, every part of you 
changed. So the fruit of repentance is what goes on the inside. The fruit of repentance is how I live out my life, my actions. I want you to see that John was sent by God to prepare the nation for the Lord Jesus. There were so many that weren't ready. So many that missed it. And the nation, by and large, missed that moment of revelation when Messiah came. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. The prophet Isaiah, speaking about John, said, He's a voice in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. He was preparing for Advent. Through repentance. That's how we prepare for Advent. That's how we prepare to celebrate and remember Christ's coming and remember that He's coming again through repentance. He wants to do a work in our lives. And He, John, describes the ministry of Jesus. It's described in verses 11 and 12. He says, I baptize you in waters of repentance. But after me, there's one coming more powerful than I whose sandals I'm not fit to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What I believe he's especially saying here is this. When Jesus comes, he's going to give you a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That baptism gives you the power to live the life that you can't live on your own. There's only one way you can do, and I can do what we're supposed to do, is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a godly Christian life in ourselves, We have this bent towards sin in ourselves. We have this bent to doing the wrong thing. And it's only as we're filled and refilled and keep being filled with the Spirit that we have the power to live above the powers of this world. And we have the power of God in us. So he's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But he's going to come also and baptize you with fire. And I believe it refers to a couple of things. Depending upon their receptivity. If they were receptive, they would be baptized with a fire that would purify them. If they would close the door to God's working, they would not profit from his coming but they would be judged by his coming. His wrath would fall upon them. He goes on to say that he would separate the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad. So the idea that when Jesus comes with his purifying fire, some will be blessed by it and changed by it. Others will be harmed and hurt by it because they refuse to accept the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus Christ comes to work inside of you. He doesn't want you staying the same way. He doesn't want me staying the same way. He doesn't want us just wandering around in mediocrity, just sort of in a rut spiritually. But repentance is calling us to that higher life, that better life, that upward call. And when we repent, now we're masters at making excuses. We're good at it. We make excuses to others, but we make excuses to ourselves. Jesus Christ comes to reign in our lives, to take over, not to just simply look and nod, all right. No, no, he comes to take the steering wheel of the car, and he says, sit in the back and don't talk. I'll just take 
He wants to guide our lives. Let me ask you a question. Today, a knock on the door comes. Guess what? It's Jesus. What would you do? Would you run over and get rid of those magazines? Would you uh, change those cable stations? Would uh, you suddenly have to say, listen, Lord, come into this room, but not these rooms. There's too much clutter here. There's too much mess. When Christ comes, he wants to reign and he wants to rule. Are you ready for him? Are you ready? Because when he comes, there's no advance warning. It's like a thief in the night. There he is, and there you are. And so the condition you're in is the condition he'll find you in. The last quote. It's Henry Jowett. We get no deeper into Christ than we allow him to get into us. How deep, how converted are you? How deep is your faith? Well, I'll serve God if things go well. I'll serve God if um, the circumstances are right. But let the circumstances become adverse. And then we begin to murmur and complain. Now, how deep are we allowing Christ to get into our lives and are we in him? I want to read to you a confessional. Merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Isn't that true? In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Sometimes we're so busy hiding our sins from others that we hide them from our own memory. Sometimes we're so busy trying to weave our web of deception and lies and dishonesty that we begin to believe what we've said. But when God comes, that just burst. That just is destroyed. I'm sure that many of those people on, what was it, Wikipedia? What was it? Well, Wikipedia... But conversations that went on 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago were recorded. And things that they had forgotten, they said. Things that they had forgotten all about that. But they have it all down. The Bible says for every one of our idle words, we have to give account. Now, if that's the case, I'm on my face, brother. I'm on my face, sister, saying, Lord, I need mercy. The Christmas season is always a busy time of year. The hustle and bustle to get all the gifts wrapped and ready, 
the preparation of the meal where family gathers to celebrate. It's easy to lose sight of what's most important in this season. We're sharing this special four-part series on the Advent season with hopes that Jesus truly will be the reason for the season. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and check out the Voice of Faith radio media player. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOFRadio1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed Faith Assembly and the entire production team, we want to say Merry Christmas.